doing that tonight. We're going to be kind of looking at the spiritual discipline of confession. Now, of course, a Scottish proverb says, doesn't it, confession is good for your soul. How many of you actually like to confess? There's one or two. Let's be honest. When it comes to confession, we're quite stubborn, aren't we? We kind of put a mask up because we want people to see us who, for who we think they see us. Sometimes we don't want them to see us for who we really are. And of course, spiritual disciplines is for us to learn to become more like Christ. They help us develop intimacy with God. Do you want to be drawn closer to God tonight? Do you want to have that intimacy with him, knowing he is your father, that he is your Lord? They help us become like Christ. And if you fancy becoming like him, yes, the word says, isn't it, that we may decrease, that he may increase within us. That when we look in that mirror on a Monday morning, we're not seeing ourselves, but we're seeing the glory of God within our lives. And of course, they help us receive the grace of God. They help us to receive his grace. So confession is an interesting one. I was reading an illustration. It says, four preachers met for a friendly gathering. During the conversation, one preacher said, our people come to us and pour out their hearts, confessing certain sins and needs. Let's do the same with each other. Confession is good for the soul. In due time, all agreed. One confessed he likes to go to the movies and would sneak off when away from church and go and see a film. The second confessed to liking to smoke cigars. And the third one confessed to liking to play cards. When it came to the fourth one, he kept quiet. He wouldn't confess. The others pressed and pressed and pressed him until he says, well, actually, my confession is I like gossiping and I can't wait to get out of here to tell everybody else about you. So be careful. Beware what you confess. But of course, confession is a difficult discipline, isn't it? You know, many times we view the believing community as saints. We look at each other and we think everybody else has got it sorted. They look perfect. They've got it all right. And so when people say to you, how are you doing? What's your response? Normally, fine. Yes? Or fine in the Lord? or, you know, fantastic, or wonderful, or super. Sorry, Nick. (laughs) But sometimes we do that, don't we? Because we don't actually want to kind of reveal. And then, let's be honest, if somebody actually said to you, well, actually, have you got a minute? And it turns into 10 minutes, and it turns into 20 minutes, and you see the shutters go down, and somebody goes, actually, why did I ask them the question how they are? Because sometimes we're not interested in other people and what they really are. We like to just to say, I'm great, I'm fantastic, I'm wonderful. But of course, when we see each other pretty much as sinners, as doing things wrong, then we can become comfortable with one another and we can actually encourage one another and support one another and say, okay, what's the problem? How can I help you? How can we go through this journey together? How can we sort it out? You see, when we think of the word confession, and I'm no good with foreign languages, so I looked this up, okay? The Greek word for sin is, let's see, harmatia, okay? 
There you go. I've got the thumbs up from Ian. Okay, harm it here, which means to miss the mark, to wander from the path of uprightness, okay, and to honor and honor and to do and go wrong. Of course, as children, we have a twinkle in our eyes, don't we? Well, I did. And when you were told not to do something, it was mysterious. And sometimes you learnt the hard way, didn't you? Well, I did. There you go. It's good confession, isn't it? Confess. But at times we're told, don't do that. Don't do that. And we're thinking, but if only it looks good. Or if only I can get away with it. Our goal is, through life, is to actually journey to become more like Christ. Not to go away from him. Not to miss the mark, but to be drawn closer to him that we walk hand in hand, that we know that he is our loving saviour, that we know that he is leading the way, that he's taking us saying, come on, we're going on a journey. Yeah, a bit like we're going on a bear hunt, isn't it? How many of you have read that story to your kids, to your grandchildren, going on that? It's important for us to try not to, us, to, stray, to stray away from him, is to keep hand in hand, to have that desire to become more like Christ, to have that desire to follow him, and say, Jesus, you are my Lord. Jesus, you are my Savior. I want to become like you. John Ortberg, who's an author, he tells a story about his, him and his wife, Nancy, when they bought their first piece of furniture. Now, they went for a color. They had three children. And they went for a color which was like a very light color, kind of a cream color. And the salesman said, should you really be going for this color with three children? I'm like, yes, it's fine. Don't worry about it. We've got this sorted. So they bought this three-piece suite, this sofa. They put it into their lounge. They said, you must not sit on it. You must not go near it. You must not stand on it. You are not allowed anywhere near this sofa. And then, of course, one day the wife comes in and there's a stain, a red stain on the sofa. She lines the three children up who are four, two and a half, and six months. I presume she propped him up. And pretty much says, who did it? Who did it? The middle one goes, it wasn't me, it was her. And the, the oldest one goes, but it wasn't me. And the mum was fuming. And John says, he stood there thinking, how am I going to get out of this? Now is not the time to say, I spilt some red jelly on the couch on the sofa. He said, I'll do it at another time. How many of us can actually relate to it? Have you been there where there's been a stain within your life, where something has happened you thought, I can't confess this. I don't know how to deal with it. It can be small things which we kind of bury, don't we, under the carpet. We think, well, that's only a small thing. It's only a white lie. It's not going to harm anyone. Or it can be a big big stain which actually needs to be dealt with we need to learn how to deal with the things that we carry the burdens that we carry because the more we carry burdens the further we sometimes find ourselves away from God the more we think that we're not good enough or we can't confess to him you see confession is not just about going to God saying I'm sorry for doing things wrong okay it's not God clutching at things saying you must you must do this but of course we confess to be healed and to be changed become more in like him he wants to heal us he wants us to be changed to become 
more like him. Augustine of Hippo said, the confession of evil works is the first beginning of good works. Making that step, being confident and making that step of becoming more like Christ. Saying, right, okay, what can I do? How can I spend time with my saviour? How can I say I'm sorry? I always remember, my mum always used to say to me, Karen, never say sorry unless you mean it. Because of course, sorry means you're never gonna do it again. In my case, I did it quite often. I'd go, sorry, mum. Like, don't say it unless you really mean it. And it would make, as I got older, it started to make me think, what do we, and I hear my saying that to young people and to children now, don't say it unless you really mean it. And so we need to learn to come into line with what God wants us to do. We need to learn to come into line. Because when we think of the cross, sometimes when we share about the message of what Jesus did, people see God as an angry God, that people sinned, people did wrong, and so he had to send Jesus to the cross because of anger to take away the sin. But of course, that's the wrong message. Because God sent his son because of love. Because he loves us. And he wants us to have that relationship with him. God sent his son Jesus onto the cross because of love. Not because of anger, but because of love that we may become more like him. James 5, 16 says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. I thought we could stop maybe at this minute, turn around into groups, confess your sins and pray. No, don't worry about it. We're not going to. But of course, it's good (laughs) to have that relationship with one another, to be comfortable in one another's presence, where we can actually talk to each other with our, about our struggles, about the things that we do wrong. Because that what is sin is at the end of it, is the things that we're doing wrong, and that we're comfortable with each other, and that we can pray for one another. We can pray for healing. We can pray that we can be changed, and that we can become more like him. So James gives us two types of confession. He says, confession to one another. One point to keep in mind is that James was speaking to Christians, confessing to other Christians, okay? Not going out and confessing everything to everybody, okay? He was saying, close together and pray for one another. And then the second one is in 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. The word there is if. How many times do we shy away from it? How many times do we shy away from actually saying to God, I'm sorry for what I've done? How many times do we shy away from saying? It says, if we confess our sins, God will hear. He will forgive us. He is a forgiving God. He is a forgiving God. He will forgive us. He will wipe the slate clean and says, I love you for who you are. Confess, it's clean, it's a brand new day. It's one of the greatest statements, isn't it, of the Bible? You know, confessing if, 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 okay? God doesn't want a broken relationship. He doesn't want that broken relationship with us. He wants a whole relationship. He wants us to be close to him. He wants us to be restored to that fullness. You know, when we move through the process of confession, we have a greater opportunity to receive the power and learn the power of forgiveness. So how do we do it? Anybody got any ideas? No. 
Okay, but how do we do it? Is preparation, you prepare for things, yes? When you're getting ready for things, we have to prepare ourselves, prepare our hearts, okay? Into the care of the Spirit of God, asking for help. There's a story about a guy called Charles Steenmetz, okay? And he was an electrical engineer with GE in the 1900s. And after he retired, there was a problem. He was asked to be returned to GE to help pinpoint a problem with a group of machines that the engineers couldn't fix. He walked around these machines, didn't touch them at all, then marked a cross on one of the machines. They took it to pieces, they dissembled it, and on there, to their amazement, it turned out to be the precise location of the problem. Then he charged them $1 for marking the X and then $9,000 for his, for knowing where to put it. So, you know, the hard thing is, is self-examination, isn't it? Is knowing where to put that mark, knowing where maybe the problem is, identifying it. Psalm 19, verse 12 says, who can discern his errors? Do we like to discern our errors? Do you like to? Is there many times you sit down and think, what have I done wrong? How's my day been? If we're honest, we don't, do we? We kind of like to go to bed and start afresh again, forget what's happened. Sometimes we lie there at night, don't we, thinking, why did I do that? Or why did I say what I said? Or why did I think what I do? I'm doing that. I'm finding that a little bit a lot at the moment with swimming rage. I think I said that a while ago, didn't I? I get a lot of swimming rage at the moment with people getting in my way when I'm swimming. For me, I need that lane, and that's my lane. Nobody else should be there. I got told off by somebody this week for splashing them. And I was like, kind of, but we're in a pool. It's wet. And I kind of then had to that night, I felt, actually, I did feel guilty for my thoughts. Because I, I was honest, and I said to them, I'm sorry. I did apologize to them. They still kept on swimming next to me. I'm like, well, I'm going to splash you. But of course, marking that X where it is. You know, who can discern his errors? It's important we spend time actually one-on-one with God. We are so busy at times, don't we? We're so busy bombarding with different things that are going on that we actually don't have that personal time. Walking, talking with our Savior. Actually saying, where am I in my relationship with you? Where can I go? Where should I be? I'm here, but how can I get to there? Where do you want to direct me? Forgive me for the things that I've done. Jeremiah 17, 19 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Can you understand it? No. Of course, God understands. He understands who we are. So we have... We have to prepare ourselves. We have that self-examination, knowing where to put that mark, knowing where to identify what the things that maybe were going wrong, the slippery slope, the road that we're taking might be wrong. Martin Luther apparently used to use the Ten Commandments as a way to help examine himself. He went through them. And it says he went through them on a weekly basis, just kind of examining himself to see where he was with his walk. And maybe that might be a good thing for one or two of us, is to think, let's look at the Ten Commandments and think, where am I? What am I doing wrong? Am I following these? Am I being drawn closer to God? Am I becoming more like him? 
You know, it's responsibility, isn't it? It's having that responsibility, taking that time out, resting in his presence on a glorious day. Yes? Last night I was down at Red Rocks. I keep on bumping into people, but I was on my own last night with the dog. And it's just the perfect place to paddle in the water and just to rest and to actually have that conversation as you think and say, how can I be drawn closer to you? We need to. Jesus spoke and he says in Matthew 7, 3 to 5, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. It's easy at times, isn't it, to judge other people and to say, take that speck out. We're actually realizing we've got a plank in our own eye. We're actually realizing that we need to examine ourselves first. You know, sometimes it's not a twig. It can actually be a log there, can't it, in the way, thinking, which direction are we going? And of course, the questions are, isn't it, when we do things wrong, is why did I do it, do what I did? Do you ever sit there and think, why did I actually do that? You know, you know, what was the result of it? Why did I do what I did? Interesting question. And what was the end result? Did it bless somebody else? Well, let's be honest, when it comes to sin, it's not going to bless anybody else. It's going to probably become more harmful, isn't it? We sometimes think, don't we? Well, if I just do it this way, okay, who's going to benefit from it? I'm going to benefit from it. Am I going to damage them? Or they might not know. They might not even see about it. See that? So we need to have that perception of what we are doing, of how we're taking things on. And of course, we need to promise, don't we? We need to promise to God saying, okay, I'm going to move forward. I'm going to take that step. I'm going to try to do my best. I'm going to take it step by step. See, God does his work through us, through the process of confession. You know, we might feel that deep desire not to do hurtful things again. And we make that vow. And then we try and do it and we try and do it. We look throughout the Bible, we see how many people messed up, don't we? But we see as well the results. If you think about Zacchaeus, you know, taking the money from the people, but then he repaid them back four times. He realized what he'd done wrong and he repaid them back. So Charles Spurgeon pointed out, that as God's children, we don't come before him to confess as a culprit or criminal comes before a judge. Instead, as his children, we come to our loving father who desires to forgive us. We have to remember God is our loving father. He wants the best for us. He wants us to walk that path with him. He wants us to do what is right. He goes on to say there is a wide distinction between confessing sin as a culprit and confessing sin as a child. The Father's bosom bosom is the place of penitent confessions. We have been cleansed once and for all, but our feet still need to be washed from defilement of our daily walk as children of God. We sometimes wonder, but God is our loving Father who will forgive us. So confession is an aid for us to be healed. Confession is an aid for us to be changed, to be drawn into him. Will you be transformed? Confession helps us to be transformed. 
Confession helps us to be drawn closer and closer to become like him, that people will see a difference within our lives. We say it many times, what do you see when you look in a mirror? Okay? Are you happy with what you see? I laugh. Sarah and I get up at half five on a Monday morning. We are mad. And then we kind of look at each other at six o'clock and we're like, we're totally mad. And then we don't actually say anything to each other, I don't think, or anything. But what do you see when you see each other? Who do you see? Do you see Jesus? Do you see Jesus shining out of the people? Do you see Jesus within you shining out that you can make a difference? It's important for us to be transformed. It's important for us to be drawn closer and closer to God. Part of confession is forgiveness. And at times we struggle, don't we, with forgiveness. I'm sure you can go back to your childhood. Maybe these lot don't need to go back. But things that you maybe did at school, don't you? You can remember maybe some names you might have called somebody or you did something else like that. But remember is that God forgives us. God takes away our past. That we don't have to live in the past because he has set us free. He is giving us a fantastic future when we walk hand in hand with him. It is God who does the forgiving, but often he chooses other people to help us. He chooses humans, you know, as a channel to help that process. It's important. In Psalm 139, 23, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me. And know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, O God, and know my heart. My challenge tonight is what's in your heart? When when we read that scripture, search me, O God, and, and test my heart. What is in your heart tonight? What do you need to surrender to him to move on? Because God has a great plan we know the scripture so well don't we in Jeremiah you know I don't know the plans for you the plans to prosper you and not to harm you God has a plan for every one of us in this room tonight and God wants you to walk in his his ways his ways are higher than our ways don't try and do things on your own but walk in his ways you know search our hearts I'm going to invite the, the musicians to come back and we're going to spend some time in worship tonight and we're going to ask those questions search me oh god and know my heart test me and know my anxious thoughts see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the everlasting way let's stand let's just quiet our hearts before god and ask that question search me oh god and know my heart Lord, we thank you tonight that, Lord, that we can come before you. We thank you tonight that, Lord, that you have plans for us to prosper us and not to harm us, Lord. And, Lord Jesus, even as we talk about confession, Lord Jesus, Lord, we pray, Lord Jesus, that, Lord, as we confess the things that we've done wrong before you, Lord, you'll continue to cleanse us, Lord Jesus. That, Lord, that we become more and more like you, Lord Jesus. That, Lord, we'll walk the path that you have called us to walk, Lord. And that, Lord Jesus, others may see you within us lord lord jesus just search our hearts and cleanse us in the name of jesus we pray